So if you want to go ahead and be turning back to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. This is only the second time that I've ever preached on one verse. One verse. We're going to be in James 5 verse 12 today. We're almost done with with James. We're all... I hope that wasn't a yay because you think it's going to be short. Uh, you might be disappointed. Uh, but we're almost done with James. We're going to, um, Lord willing, we're going to finish James next week. Um, but I feel like we didn't want to do it too quickly, so we're just going to do that one verse. Have you thought of what, if you're thinking of James as a whole, what would a uh, series title? Have you thought about, we've had a lot of reoccurring themes We've talked about a lot of these, these similar themes throughout uh, that James introduced in chapter 1 that he's kind of then gone back through in James 2, 3, 4, and now in James 5. As I was looking through various things this week, it was like marks of a Christian life or how to be a Christian amidst persecution or how to live out a, a true, genuine faith. And James has talked about a lot of these things. Again, he's writing to these Christians who've been scattered throughout this this whole area because of their faith. Like these believers that are facing trials, that are facing difficulty. And he's calling them to a certain way of living in the middle of that difficulty, in the middle of that persecution. And it's been kind of that theme the entire way. And this morning... With all, with all the things that he said, has said thus far, what he's going to say even next week as we look at the end of James 5. This week, it says, above all. That's how he kind of intros this first thing. Above all. We've talked about a lot of things. But why above all? I'm just going to read James 5, verse 12. James writes, But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. But above all, just If you'll remember back from our series through Matthew, which was a long time ago now, um, Matthew 5, Jesus said very similar words. This is, James's reference kind of at a distance, a lot of the teachings of Jesus, a lot of what our tongues say, um, how we treat others. But this is the closest he gets to an exact um, quote from Jesus. And I just want to read Matthew 5, 33 through 37, and we'll see the similarities here. Uh, Matthew 5, 33 through 37 says, Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. Again, falls right in line with what James, or James is falling right in line with what Jesus said. And I was looking into this. I, I think I actually preached this passage. We were in Matthew um, probably three years ago now. Um, but we were kind of removed from this series of this, this life of oaths in um, this day and age that apparently back, it was like Jewish system, um, like back pre-Jesus and then even during this time of Jesus that oaths were kind of how you gave your word. But people would make an oath, they would usually pledge that on something. So it's like, as they make an oath to someone and say, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to sell my cow to you. They would say, I, I make an oath on my head that I will sell this cow to you for 10 shekels or 10 coins or 10 whatever unit of measurement. Um, but then if somebody else came back the next day and would say, oh, I'll pay you 12 shekels for it, then they might say, whoa, well, I swear by Jerusalem that I will sell this to you for 12 shekels. And it was this system that was dependent on how, what you would swear on was how serious you were with what you said. So swearing on your head versus swearing on Jerusalem. But then if things were really serious, they'd say, I swear to God. And it was this series, this, it almost like it raises the intensity of the oaths that they were making. And it was this broken system and I, I feel like we don't operate in the same way. But you see, I feel like our culture in many ways has kind of developed into this too. On, on, kind of on a very different level. I was listening to someone talk this week and they said that prior to World War II, most agreements were done with a handshake. That just a gentleman's handshake was treated as your word. If you went to go buy a car, basically it'd be all, all it would take would be a handshake to sell it for this price or that price. But then if you go buy a car now, if there's all these other things. You have to sign a contract and your bank has to show you have enough money and you have a co-signer and they do credit checks. And all these other things that go into this legal system of just saying, yes, I will buy this car. And it's, it's very removed from the oaths and all of that. I'm not saying we shouldn't sign contracts and all of that when we go buy a car. That's, that's not the point. But again, we live in a world that the structure of the world is f assuming that our yes is not going to be yes and that our no is not going to be no. And Jesus, in Matthew 5, just he says, don't, don't do any of that stuff. When you say yes, let it be yes. When you say no, let it be no. And this is what James is really reiterating. But he says, of all the things he's talked about, but above all, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Have you noticed that this, this verse kind of stands out a little bit. It doesn't really fit super closely into the section that Tanner preached last week. 
it doesn't really fit super closely into what we're going to look at next week. Tanner and I spent a while going, before we started James, we kind of broke it up and like, all right, well, these kind of go together, these go together. And we got to this verse, and I was like, where, did, where does that go? Does it, do you put that with the section before? Do you put it after? And really we're like, well, we're not sure, so let's just make it its own. And let's give it to Caleb, because he can do something with this one verse. That above all, though, has really struck me all week. That above all, why does it say that? And I was looking through commentaries, looking through different things. Why does it say above all? And a lot of commentaries kind of say that, well, it's just, that's his way of saying, well, in conclusion, I'm wrapping up now. Above all, I'm leading to the end of my letter. But the literal translation of this says, but most importantly, but most importantly, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Could James actually be saying that this is, this is summarizing everything I've been teaching? Could James really be saying, this is the most important thing I'm going to say right now, above all, I think so. I think so. If you remember back to James 3, we talked a lot about our, our words matter. The things we say, I talked about this three weeks ago, whenever the last time I preached was. Like We referenced this again. Our words matter. The words we say have such great power to, to, to tear down. They have such power to build up. That our words are so important. That's so why James in verse in chapter one, verse nineteen, says, Be quick to hear and slow to speak. Slow to use that those words that are so powerful. Be slow to wield that weapon that we all have in, as, in a tongue. And again, here he's talking about our words. I'm going to read verse 12 again. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Once again, our words, they matter. It says, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Let what you say be actually what you mean. And I feel like the short, abbreviated version of this, he's saying like oaths and, and doing that should not even matter. It shouldn't be necessary because everything you say is true. It should, those things should not matter. Because everything we say is true. What would be the purpose of oaths? What would be the purpose of taking an oath if every single thing every single person said was true? Would there be a purpose? 
Can you imagine a world where the truth was assumed? Where you heard someone say something and you could assume that they were telling the truth. It, sadly, it's hard to imagine a world like this. Like imagine a world where every politician, every business, every piece of news you heard, everything you read on the internet or on social media or, or anything that anyone said, that you could just say, yes, that is true. Like, we are very far from that type of world. But speaking untrue things has such a huge effect on us as individuals, on, on entire lives. I watched a movie on Friday night um, for the first time in my life. Watched a movie called The Princess Diaries. <laughs> I've never seen it before, but we watched this on, Carla and I watched it on Friday night. And it was just, I thought it was a Disney movie, and it was full of lies. Bear with, bear with me. Like, wait, if, you, if you've seen the movie, this, this girl's been lied to her entire life. 15 years she had been lied to about who she was, about, about her heritage. She'd been lied to. And when she finds out the truth, she's just angry. She's angry at her mom. She's angry at her grandma. She's just mad because all of her life she's been lied to. But then she struggles. As, as she's learning about who she really is and about all of this, she, she struggles to even keep her word. Because you see, another part of telling the truth is following through with what you say you're going to do. Part of saying yes and being honest and being truthful is saying yes and then doing said thing. In the movie, she starts making all these commitments. You see that now she's a princess and she makes this commitment to be on her friend's cable TV show. She makes a promise to go and be in this, this go watch this boy play music. And then she doesn't follow through on her yeses. And she's untruthful because her yes didn't mean yes. And it's, I just was thinking about this yesterday, like thinking back way too long on the movie Princess Diaries. It's like just the impact that lies have. It like wrecked this girl's life for this period. Then she was untruthful to those around her. And I feel like in different, it's not always to that level. Most people aren't lied to about their, them being a princess. But like so many of us, so many people have been impacted by lies. By people not being truthful. And just to be quite frank, like we talk about this a lot in our home that lies are from hell. That lies are from Satan. Well, I want to read John 8, 43-44 for us. Jesus, Jesus said, Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. 
When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Like this world is just full of lies. Lies that we're all tempted to believe. Lies about what's going to make us happy, what's going to fulfill us. Lies about what is most important. Lies about who is most important. Lies and lies and lies. Because like the world says fame and success are what we should strive for. The world says that salaries and titles are a way of identity. The world tells young girls they have to look a certain way to be popular or be liked. It says that boys have to be good at X, Y, or Z to be cool. The world teaches way too many children that adults cannot be trusted. It tells us that pleasures of the flesh, the images you look at, the actions you do, will ultimately fulfill your heart's desires. <coughs> the world teaches many that they are not valuable because they've previously been treated a certain way by a friend, by a family member, by someone else in the world. That they've been treated this way so that, they, so that they're not valuable. But each one of these things, like each one of these things is a lie. It's not true. Like worth, value, success, identity. How long will we continue to listen to the world's definitions and the world's lies when it comes to these things? Like this is why we've really begun to memorize this together. On Sunday nights, to, to be in the Bible, to be memorizing it, to be committing it to memory. <coughs> Can you bring me my drink, please? <coughs> because these words are true. Thank you. <coughs> We've been memorizing different passages of Scripture together. The most recent one involves James chapter 4. And it's going to be up here on the screen, but this is part of James 4, 7 through 10. This is verse 8 and 9. So submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Resist the devil. Resist the lies. Draw near to the truth. The truth is that you are valuable. The truth is that you are perfect in God's eyes. The truth is that you will never be satisfied until you're satisfied in him. The truth is that God loves you more than you can even comprehend. Draw near to the truth. The truth. We are to be people of the truth, believing what the truth is. And it's not in the world. It's not what the world would tell you. Resist the lies. 
And I was going back thinking a lot of what James has been talking about throughout his entire letter. And so much of it is, is centered around truth. What is, what is true? What is not true? Being people of honesty, being people of integrity. Look at James 1, 22. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Like, hearing but not doing is a dishonest faith. Like, if we're just hearing something but not obeying it, not doing it, we're full of dishonesty. We're not people of integrity. James 1, 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Like, if our claims of religion are claims of, yes, I do this and this and this. This is my religion. But our tongue, what the things we say, the way we speak, isn't lining up. We're deceiving ourselves. We're deceiving our heart. James 2 talks a lot about partiality. Treating people differently based on these external factors. If we're doing this, then we're also disobeying. We're being dishonest to the faith that we say we believe. We're treating people differently because of the money they have, or the money they don't have, or the status they have, or the status they don't have. We're not being honest. We're not being honest to the word. It goes on through James. Faith without works. Very similar to being hearers and doers. Like If we say we believe without the works that back it up, are we truly honest? Is the, is the, do we have an honest faith that lives out what we claim to believe? James 3, taming the tongue. James 4, talks about warnings against worldliness. Like, all of this is coming back to truth versus lies. Like, what are we going to believe? Is it the truth? Or is it lies? So when James is saying, let your yes be yes, let your words be true, let your no be no, let your words be true, it's the same thing he's been talking about. Integrity, honesty, an honest faith that says and does the same thing, that lives out the faith that they claims to believe. And so much of this, I feel like, is wrapped up in this letter. Like, James is, again, right to these believers who've been scattered throughout this entire region. He's writing to these believers. Let's say, as you go out, as you're in these new communities, as you've been scattered, as you're living these difficult lives, what is going to stand out? What is going to truly be a witness to Christ? It's an honest. It's honesty. It's living out the faith that they claim. Well, I mean, what is, what is it like one of the most prevalent things you hear when people criticize Christians today? They're just hypocrites. They claim to believe this one thing, but their lives look a whole lot different. They claim to believe that Bible, but their actions don't line up. That's why James is really, every chapter so far, he's talked about speech, the way we talk, 
Because I think it's really important. Because our speech is revealing the heart that is within us. Our speech is revealing what is inside of us. And we think of a Christian witness in the world. We think about what really stands out. We mentioned earlier, like, how to live the Christian life, the, the marks of a Christian life, those kind of themes we mentioned initially about James. It's being real. It's being honest. It's being genuine to what we claim to believe in this Bible. And as I got to thinking about this this week, as I was studying this one verse and then kind of going throughout the Bible based on some things Jesus said, and it kind of hit me. I was thinking about my entire life from the first thing I remember to now and just the lies that I've told, the ways that I've been dishonest. And it was really like kind of heavy hitting to think, man, like, there's in so many ways, the 30 years of my life, I've fallen short so many times. And I feel like the standard that is set in Scripture, the standard that is set, always, yeah, always yes being yes, always no being no, for always being completely honest, that is a standard that we are all going to fall short of. Doesn't mean we're, so, we're not supposed to seek that. Doesn't mean we're not supposed to strive for that. But we are all going to fall short in our integrity, in our honesty, in our follow-through, in our speech. And I'm sure each one of us can look back at some point in our lives three years ago, three hours ago, three minutes ago, like, sometime we can look back and say, dishonesty marked my life in this moment. I fell short of this standard. Maybe it was a, a lie that was told to a, a spouse or a friend, a, a coworker, a parent. Maybe it was something in your private life, something when nobody else was watching. Maybe that didn't line up with your speech in church or what you claim to believe. We're entering tax season. Maybe it was cheating on taxes. Maybe you've been very quick to say yes, but slow to follow through. Like I'm confident that each one of us... Like, I feel this so hard in my own life. Like, that each one of us has fallen short. But just as we feel that condemnation, just as we feel that the weight of our sin, like, even then is when Jesus says, I still love you. Like Tanner referenced last week, the prodigal son. Even when the prodigal son had run away, had blown it, had fallen way short of the expectation that that father would have had for the son. Even then, the father said, I love you. You're a part of my family. 
there's no wrath for you because look what Jesus has done for you. Because Jesus died to save liars. He died to save cheaters. He died to save the dishonest, murderers. He died to save the perishing. And I don't, I don't want to stand up here and just remind you of your failures or where you've fallen short. I want to remind you of the grace that is in Jesus. Because when we fail, not if we fail, when we fail, Jesus has already paid that price. He's like, that's, that's the beauty of the gospel. It's the beauty of the gospel. Because the Bible is very clear. We all have fallen short. We've all lied to others, to ourselves. But the Bible is very clear that we've not outsinned the grace of God. So, so what are we to do with all this? Like the Bible calls us to, to, to honesty, to, to truthful speaking, to following through with the words that we say. The Bible shows us Jesus who's made the way for us, who has provided salvation even when we fall short. So as Christians, what does it look like for our yes to be yes? What does it look like for our no to be no? I just jotted down four quick things. It means practicing what we preach. I mean, James has talked about this. This He's talked about this. Not just being hearers of the word. Not just being able to quote scripture. Not just being able to say the right things. But to put it into action. To practice. To do what we claim to believe. And that's going to stand out in the world. People who practice what we preach. What you sing on Sundays the way we talk to one another here? What if we treated every single coworker that same way? Treated every single person we ran into in the grocery store that same way? If we truly treated other people exactly as Jesus did, what if the way we interacted with people modeled Jesus day in and day out, whether in person or social media or online? whatever ways you might communicate with other people. I think this also means that we're honest, not just in the big things, but in the small things. I think it's really easy in the stories we tell and the, the things we talk about to very quickly slide away from the truth. Like, oh, well, the details don't really matter, so I'm just going to make that up. That part of the story I don't remember, so I'm just going to make that part up. But honesty, integrity, and the small things is the same as the big things. Always being honest in the stories we tell, in the ways we communicate. Being people that are committed to the truth, no matter what. Even if that small detail might not make us look as good. We're people that are committed to the truth. Our yes always being yes, our no always being no. And two, and the third one, we're going to be a, we should be a people that always follow through 
And I think, I've been thinking a lot about this this week, just in how this relates to my own life. Because it's really easy to be yes people. Yes, 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 I'll do that, yes. But then we find ourselves in places and situations where we can't accomplish all those yeses. Whether it's because of busy schedules, whether it's because of things that are going on. So let your yes be yes, your no be no. doesn't mean everything has to be yes. But it means when you say yes, you follow through. But that might mean you need to reevaluate before you say yes, because you might need to say no. And then let your no be no. I think that probably hits each one of us a little bit differently. But we should be a people, a church, and individuals that follow through on every single thing that we say. And the last one. You've heard this said before, but say what you mean, mean what you say. That whole thing. We've talked about this in our family quite a bit. Like, it's really easy to, to say things and, and say, oh, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Always be people that are joking. Always be people that are always sarcastic. But what if we were people that, in, in, in trying to be honest and trying to always say true things, we just said what we mean and mean what we say. Just be people of truth. Be yes means yes, no means no. Always saying what is true. And again, as I kind of wrap this up, I, I hope that you've seen, like from the beginning of James until now in James 5, we're almost done with this, with this letter. There's so much of what James has been instructing these believers, and so, many, so much of what we've then been trying to communicate to this church and to people here, is that people who've been saved by Jesus, people who have the Holy Spirit inside of them, that God has done a marvelous, miraculous work to save sinners, that we're going to stand out from those in the world. There's going to be something noticeably different in our speech, in our conduct, in our honesty, in our gentleness, and our resisting worldliness. Because we've been called out, saved not on anything that we have done, but solely because of Jesus. One of the most beautiful things I think of in Scripture is that I have no idea how this impacts individual people. I mean, the same verse, the same words can have such far-reaching impact. And so I don't know where this hits you individually. I don't know if you just need to be reminded of the truth, reminded that you've not outsinned the grace of God. Just reminded that no matter what your past has held, no matter the ways that you, your life has been filled with lies or maybe impacted by the lies of others, that no matter what your life has been like, that you're not beyond the grace of God. 
There's nothing that you've done that has outsinned the grace of God. For some of you, maybe it's, maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's repenting of sin. Repenting of lies, repenting of dishonesty. But for all of us, my prayer is that that God would so change us, so radically transform us, and make us stand out from the world in the ways that we are honest, in the ways that we mean what we say and say what we mean, the ways that we let our yes be yes and our no be no, always following through, always modeling the honesty and the truth of our Savior. So I'm going I'm to pray, and we'll stand, we'll sing. But, but as, as, we kinda, as we go out from here, remember, truth is here. Lies are from Satan. They're from Satan. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Let's pray.